everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by Rob Dunham. Hey, everybody. Okay, Rob is here. I am here. There's movies to talk about. It's going to be great. Well, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about a great opening week for F9. We're going to talk about what's up with the box office this week, give you a little bit of preview as to what's coming up soon. We're going to play a game of years again with a special rom-com flavor and, of course, our watch list. So this this promises to be a good lineup. Are, Are you ready there, Rob? Oh, I am ready. Got all my shopping done. Ready to talk about movies, ready to not be walking around Walmart anymore. Yeah, yeah, I can see. I can. This is definitely better than walking around Walmart. Yeah, for <laughs> about two hours. So Yeesh. that's over with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, to start off, let's let's talk about uh, F9. So F9, we did a, a big, long debrief about the movie last week, but now the box office results are in and they're quite good for F9. F9 earns $70 million in its opening weekend, which is, of course, a pandemic record. And it is the biggest domestic opening since Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker earned $177 million in 2019. So this includes the, all the movies that came out at the beginning of 2020 as well. So this is substantially more than Godzilla versus Kong, Quiet Place Part Two, and Mortal Kombat. It doesn't quite reach uh, what 2017's Fate of the Furious did, which was 98.8 million, but there was no pandemic when that one came out. Uh, but it did beat Hobbs and Shaw, the latest, the previous release of the Fast and Furious franchise, which made $60 million. So this is pretty close to what you would expect to be a pretty normal box office number, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so I'm a, I'm a little surprised at that because Hobbs and Shaw I thought was pretty decent. So to hear it beat that is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it clearly seems like this was a movie that got people out to theaters and we're, we're starting to inch our way back up to normal box office numbers. We're starting to see things that much more closely resemble a normal box office, which can only be a good thing. And uh, hopefully this bodes well for future releases. Um, just to clean up a few things uh, when we from our discussion about F9 last time, uh, there was actually a mid-credit scene. Oh, there was. We had talked about. It. We didn't know if there was one. There was a mid-credit scene. So if you have not yet seen the movie, make sure you stay through the mid-credits. And so now, what what happened in the mid-credits? So I'm going to give a spoiler. Uh, spoiler. Uh, skip over the rest of this if you don't want to hear what the mid-credit scene was about. Apparently, it was a scene of. Ha of uh, Han confronting Shaw mm. because, of course, Shaw ran him over and killed him. 
and Tokyo Drift, which we had to piece together through three different movies, but hey. <laughs> uh, so yes, that's apparently, it's a confrontation or a, you know, a scene with Han and Shaw, which would be really interesting. So uh, make sure you stay around for the theater if you do that. Still doesn't tell you where Mr. Nobody is, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Also, last week we talked about, I mentioned that I had a hard time seeing John Cena as uh, the younger brother for Dom. I looked up the ages. Dom is 10 years older. Wow. Full 10 years older. That dude is 54 years old. Wow. That is the youngest looking 54 year old dude and the fittest looking 54 year old dude I've ever seen. So that blows me away. And that's probably why it's hard for me to see John Cena as his younger brother, because John Cena looks older than than he's younger. So that's just a a few cleanups from that, from that particular movie. So that was, uh, that was the box office for last week. Uh, This week, we have a couple movies coming out. Uh, Boss Baby Family Business. Uh, This is the second Boss Baby movie. It's a family uh, kid oriented cartoon. And we have The Forever Purge. So The Forever Purge is out and The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is still out as well. So, uh, Rob, which one are you going to see? Well, I did see The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, it was interesting for me because I still have not actually seen The Hitman's Bodyguard. So, (laughs) Are you now more likely to go see The Hitman's Bodyguard at some point? I think so. I think so. I I actually, uh, I enjoyed the movie for the nonsensical action movie that it was. And Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson and Selma Hayek just being ridiculous pretty much throughout the entire movie. Um, they did a decent job, I think, of giving you a small synopsis of what happened in the previous movie, at least the major part of the previous movie at the beginning. And then it was woven in throughout uh, a couple more times which was great. And I will say that something I found absolutely hilarious, my wife really loves the movie Overboard with Kurt Russell and mm. Don yes. uh, from, I guess that's the 80s, right? Or yes. Early, yeah, that's the 80s. 80s I think. Um, <laughs> and in the, in the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, Sama Hayek claims that she has am, amnesia from uh, falling off a boat. <laughs> and... <laughs> Like three different characters reference. Doesn't she already know that this was used as a plot device in the movie Overboard starring Kurt Russell and Goldie? <laughs> <laughs> and since that's one of my wife's favorite movies, I just found it absolutely hilarious in the context of the rest of the movie that was going on because it's just absolutely insane um, action to the max, profanity to the max. Just uh, it's the movie's a wild ride. Uh, definitely not for everyone, um, yeah. but but I, it it's one of those movies that I watched and when it was over, felt like almost no time had gone by. So that that can be a sign that the movie is well made at the very least, if not a good movie. Okay, yeah. So you've got a kids cartoon. You've got like um, a kind of a horror. not a kids cartoon. <laughs> you have kind of a horror thing in the Forever Purge, and you have the wild action ride of the hitman's wife's bodyguard yeah. 
Plus, of course, F9 is still in theaters, which actually is what I'm going to go see again this week because I got another friend who wants to go yeah. see it. So I will I be might, back in theaters for that one. I might actually watch The Forever Purge in the theater. It depends on if my sister can go with me or not because my wife does not like horror movies. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I So I'm kind of like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I love them, but I'm not a hater of them. But the problem is, I never have any time to watch them because I'm not going to watch them when my kids are around. And when it's time for just me and my wife to watch a movie at night, we're not going to watch that. So I don't watch them because there's never any time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, there's potential that we could be going to see that. Um, but I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Okay. I, I'm intrigued by it. That doesn't mean I'm going to actually have a chance to watch it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, So the next part of our box office preview is just a little look ahead to next weekend's release, which is, of course, Black Widow. That's right. It's finally going to be here. Black Widow comes out next Friday, June 9th. Rob, what do you want? July 9th. Yeah, July 9th. July 9th. We are in July now. This Mm -hmm. is July 9th. It is. What do you expect? Uh, I mean, it's it's funny. I mentioned this when we talked about this previously, but I feel like I've seen 90% of this movie. <laughs> I mean, the reality is we've probably only seen about five minutes total screen time of the movie, but just the way trailers are, it makes you feel like you've seen everything mm-hmm. that's going to happen. So uh, the thing I am expecting slash looking forward to slash hoping for is some unknown as of yet interaction between other members of either the old version of the Avengers or the the next wave of people that Marvel is putting in these movies, something that ties ties it into something else, because mm-hmm. I think that that was the biggest strength of the uh, the the first wave of Marvel that came out. You want to go all the way through um, Infinity War with that that there was always some connection. There was always something at the end of the movie in a teaser to, or a stinger that had something to, that you could look forward to. Uh, I, I still remember the first time they showed uh, one of those end credit scenes with Thanos and people just absolutely lost their minds because they had no idea that that was the storyline they were going to go to until they saw him. But then as as soon as you saw him, if you knew anything about the comic books, you knew what was going to happen, like yeah. where it was going. So it'll be interesting to see if they can ratchet up that level of excitement again, because this is a whole new whole new thing they're doing um, with Black Widow and moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if they can pull off the family angle, because this is apparently going to be a movie that heavily focuses on her background and her family. So I am interested in how well the family angle comes off and, and what role her family plays. And if that, if some of those characters end up going forward uh, within the series, because if they're all fighting together, then they all have some sort of training or some sort of capability or something along those lines. So I'm wondering if some of her family members are going to be brought forward. So I'm expecting that we're going to see a lot of family dynamic stuff that that might lead something forward 
Okay, so let's do a let's do a, a little bit longer look ahead at some other movie related news. Dune is delayed again. Dune, Dune, Dune. I think they're doing it just at this point, just to mess with everybody. Uh, it's only three weeks. The The delay is moving from October 1st to October 22nd. And this is part of a larger reshuffle of the Warner Brothers line. But to me, I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why they just keep messing with this. It's, it's annoying. Um, they need to stop delaying Dune. <laughs> Yeah, my thoughts on that. Stop delaying Dune enough already. Now, if you want to bring it forward, I'm fine with that. But no more delays. This is this is getting too much. So it's supposed to be October 22nd, but yeah, I won't uh, I won't be holding any bets that Warner Brothers will keep that date given their track record so far. In other news. Two hit TV series are getting full length movie treatment. The Sopranos. There's an upcoming movie for The Sopranos, which is a trailer actually just dropped this week for. Uh, it's called Many Saints of Newark, which features the older characters in The Sopranos when they were younger. So that's one movie coming out, and that's going to be part of that Warner Brothers line that's getting reshuffled for fall. And there's hints that a Ray Donovan movie is coming. And now this one will be a full-length feature movie, but will air on Showtime. Uh, very similar to how uh, um, Netflix did one for uh, the Breaking Bad series, at the end of the Breaking Bad series. That Ray Donovan movie is supposed to pick up right where the show leaves off as the show is ending. Uh, so these are two hit tv shows that are getting movie treatments did you uh did you see either of these uh series and what do you think about their them moving to uh films i guess i'm gonna sound like an uncultured person here but i have not actually watched any of the series <laughs> um so the sopranos is definitely on my list i just haven't gotten to it yet so mm -hmm. i don't feel like i can really give too much of an opinion <laughs> Yeah, I didn't watch either of the series. I've heard Ray Donovan is a pretty decent series. Um, Sopranos is obviously legendary. Uh, it is. It will be interesting to see um, how how successful a Sopranos movie is. We know that some some TV series do well when they go to the box offices, and some don't. Uh, Star Trek is one of the best examples of something that's gone from the box or from the TV to the box office and had success, but it doesn't always happen. It will be interesting to see. So that's two things you can look forward to coming up. And finally, Disney is uh, previewing there's some articles about about disney's new movie coming out this summer uh called jungle cruise which actually looks like a really interesting and exciting movie coming down the pike and this stars emily blunt and Dwayne the rock johnson and the plot of this one is that emily blunt plays an explorer uh searching the jungle for what is essentially like a, a healing tree or a tree of life that type of thing and Dwayne Johnson is the boat captain in charge of ferrying her to wherever she needs to go. And this is a 
movie that is in part based on the ride. So you can obviously see the tie-ins to the Pirates of the Caribbean, as it was another movie based on a Disney ride. Uh, so what do you what do you think of this as it's uh, getting ready to come out here in the next month? Uh, I, I do agree with you. I think that it looks like it is something that will be funny, have action, probably have some heart too. It looks like a movie that will uh, be a crowd pleaser. So I I think with something like this where it's not necessarily a known thing for a lot of people, um, like the fact that it's based around an amusement park ride. I, I, if I, it, I think if I recall correctly, like Pirates of the Caribbean, one of the reasons why it took off and was so successful was because the first wave of people who saw it were like just floored by it and spread the word about it. And it had like really long staying power because of that. And I think that Jungle Cruise might be the same kind of situation. Like some people will go to see it and then recommend it to their friends and they'll recommend it to their friends. And I could see it becoming really successful. I mean, also The Rock and Emily Blunt are both well-known commodities at this point. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people might go just to watch them. Yeah. So I I think it has every chance to be uh, a pretty big success. And when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, a lot of people were questioning slash wondering how you could possibly turn an amusement park ride into a movie. Mm -hmm. And then Johnny Depp just absolutely nailed his character and sold a ton of people on engaging with it. And it became a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So I can see that happening with this too. For sure. I'm actually surprisingly excited about this movie coming out and uh, the acting, the acting crew is excellent. I think we've seen Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the Jungle before, and it's worked. <laughs> <laughs> the Jumanji movies, so I think he can pull it off. Now, this movie is set in 1916, so it has a little bit of a period piece element to it. Uh, but the article that we'll link to also talks about the fact that the sets that they observed were really fantastic, and they were blown away by the by the the nature of the sets. Uh, so I'm excited for it. And, uh, and this comes out uh, in theaters as well as on Disney Plus with premiere access on July 30th. So not too long from now, you can go see Jungle Cruise. So Isn't so it nice cool. to have like movies actually coming out in the summer? I know, right? How about <laughs> that? Things to look forward to. In the summer. Movies in the summer. It's great. great. I love <laughs> it. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. That has been our wrap on the news. Now it's time to play a game. We haven't played a game in a few weeks. It's time to play a game. I do and of course, you know, as, as we're wont to do when we have games, both of us interpret the rules entirely differently from one another. I know. You think we run a podcast or something. We might, we might want to get on the same page on this. But. It was really my fault for being in Walmart for two hours, let's be honest. So, you know, we'll get, we'll get past it. We'll get through it. It'll work. <laughs> I'm just learning all the different ways that my words can be reinterpreted. Yes. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we are playing the game Name the Year. And we played Name the Year before, but we're going to put a little twist on Name the Year. And this is this will be the rom-com edition. So uh, the basic idea is we'll give each other movies and we will have to try and figure out what year they came out. And the 
um, person who gets the most correct wins. Sounds good. And they're all rom-coms. That was the that was the twist on this one. Yeah. They all have to be rom-coms. All right. Do you, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How are we doing this? So if I go first, am I te- am I giving you uh, the movie and then you guess the year? Yes. All right. So I interpreted the instructions as pick a year and give like X amount of movies that were all from the same year. So I picked out two years. So I'll give you two from one of the years and you can guess. And then when it's my turn again, I will do the other year. Okay. So let's start with, uh, okay. Coyote ugly and what women want. Mm. All right. I'm going to go with the year 2000 on that one. That is correct. Nice. Yes. Yeah. My my roommate, my freshman year of college, was obsessed with Coyote Ugly. That's, <laughs> I immediately associate that with the year 2000 because when I went to college, my first roommate was obsessed with that movie, which also shows how long ago I was in college, but that's another story. Also, a, a good thing for a nice, upstanding Christian young man to be obsessing about. No, he wasn't a Christian. Uh, <laughs> no, this is this is at your college. So no, this at, was at the Satan College. I was so. not at a Christian college at this point. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how about you've got mail and how Stella got her groove back? Mm. Okay, so you've got mail is late nineties. Um. I'm going to go 97. 98. Oh, come on. Ah, I should know that one. Yeah, I shouldn't. All right. Well, you can give me yours and I'll I'll guess wrong. So, all right. So, I will give you, since you give two based on what you've got, I will give three. I will give you three to to go for. So, uh, here we go. Uh, A lot like love, starring Ashton Kutcher and, uh, Oh, now I'm blanking out on her name. I'll look it up here a second. Uh, Amanda Peet. Ashton Kutcher, Amanda Peet. You want to be honest and say I've not heard of that movie. Okay. You need to see <laughs> so that it. That doesn't help me very much. But Ashton Kutcher, let's see. You can pro- Based on the actors, you can probably get an yeah. idea of when they would have been in movies together. I'm gonna guess 2005. Right on. Yes. 2005. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Sometimes you get lucky. (laughs) Well done. done. Awesome. All right. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles. Ten things I hate about you. 2001. 99. Ah. I had that in my head, and then I thought 2000s. <laughs> ah, why did I change my mind? I don't know. Okay, let's uh, let's go with When Harry Met Sally. Oh, my gosh. Uh, three. A little that's a little older it was uh okay. 89 okay 1989 yeah to me the the 
those years kind of mixed together because I was a little kid and obviously not watching the <laughs> movies at that time. <laughs> You're like, this is an eighties movie. So it's somewhere, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere in the eighties, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Mix up the, yeah. mix up the genre. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah like we, we both got one right, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe we got like one right, but technically two. Yeah, here's so another one. I will give you one more. If you get this one right, you win. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll just let's do it this way. All right. Keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. Ben Stiller, Ed Norton, and uh, the uh, what is her name? The girl from. Um, Oh, the girl from that one TV show. Was that 98? Uh, it's Jenna Elfman is the, is the girl. Was that 98? That is 2000. Ah! Surprised you didn't come across it in your list of 2000. I did, but I didn't remember if I saw under 19 or 2000. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the wrong one. All right. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> well we're close but uh not good enough on this one yeah, yeah. <laughs> well uh thanks for playing the game of name the year and now we will move on to our watch list movies that we watched last week which we will give you a brief brief, brief easy for me to say brief synopsis of gal gadot <laughs> <laughs> so rob what did you watch last week uh i watched two very different oh i watched more than two movies but the two movies i'm going to highlight two very different movies okay uh, i watched the wizard of oz hmm. and every time i watch the wizard of oz specifically around the scenes that are shot at the farm at the beginning and end of the movie i am just always really impressed by the quality of the filmmaking hmm. of the wizard of oz for when it was made because it honestly has no right to be as good as it is i think and i think that quality carries through throughout the entire movie obviously it's not going to have the special effects you're used to now by any stretch uh <laughs> it was funny we were watching it with my sister and her husband and their son and their son said tin man it looks like he's wearing rubber gloves <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there are little things like that that you might Fair enough. see as you're watching the movie but um it's a really good story and well acted and obviously judy garland became uh a legend because of it mm. um it's uh i enjoy musicals because i'm a musical person and some of the songs in that movie are obviously just like absolute classics when it comes to movie making but somewhere over the rainbow and yellow brick road mm -hmm. and ding dong the witch is dead those are songs that if you know anything about movies like you probably know them <laughs> and they've been referenced in thousands of other things um and usually when something is referenced that much there's a reason and the reason is that the movie is pretty good yeah. um the other one that i'm going to talk about is quantum of solace with mm. daniel craig as james bond um, we've been watching through the Bond movies, and so I I like the old Bond movies, but I needed to like cleanse my palate and watch something a newer Bond movie with like 
newer action and yeah crazy stuff because sometimes when you're watching old ones you're like oh if they only had the ability to do this when they made this mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't quite in the mood for pierce brosnan surfing down in the iceberg so <laughs> i decided to <laughs> the thing the thing i have liked about the daniel craig movies and some people don't like the daniel craig movies for this reason uh but i appreciate it for this reason is that although some of the action is like pretty high level it almost all of it seems feasible um and that is clearly not the case with a lot of the other movies in the series so uh i i appreciate them for what they are it seems more grounded when it comes to how the bond is portrayed in the movies um i really like daniel craig too i i it almost seems to me unfair to rate where i view him as bond until he is done being bond because i think he's done a really really good job but it's it's hard to put him up against like roger moore or sean connery um i don't have much of a problem saying he's better than pierce brosnan and the only I got I I just I have a I like the Pierce Brosnan movies, but they're so outlandish at times that it's hard to like really take the acting seriously. Yeah. Um, which you know I guess that's just a facet of the movies themselves, so maybe not worth complaining about. But yeah, The Wizard of Oz and Quantum of Solace, and um, the guy who plays the villain in Quantum of Solace, uh, Matthew. I don't remember his last name. Um, but he plays a character named Dominic Green. And I think he's probably one of the better Bond villains in recent movies. Um, seems like committed to the cause he's going for and motivated and an overall not good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and set up against some other people who aren't good, which is an interesting dynamic too. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like that movie a lot. That's another one. Um, like like the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard I mentioned earlier, that's a movie. Uh, Quantum of Solace to me is a movie. It was an hour and forty minutes long, and uh, it felt like it was about ten minutes long. Like it was over, and I was like, "This is over." <laughs> uh, it has. If you have not seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil exactly how this happens, but I'm not a hundred percent positive. I love the ending. Do you remember how this movie ends? It like has the big climax of the scene with the villain, and then it like snap cuts basically to another scene with Bond tying up a different loose end that's tangentially related to what was happening, but not the main plot of what was happening. And then the movie ends, and it just kind of feels like they like there's a little whiplash there. I think at the end of the movie, I kind of think they could have handled it better, or maybe tied more of the storyline of what he was going to do with cleaning up the the whole mess when it came to Vesper together, instead of just throwing it, it almost feels like an afterthought how they shot it. Yeah. And I thought it, it's hard for me to evaluate quantum of solace on its own because I view it as coming on the heels of a bond movie that at the time was in my estimation, the best bond movie. And that was Casino mm-hmm. Royale. Of course, then Skyfall passed that. Yeah. Uh, but it was hard for me to love the movie because I kept comparing it to Casino Royale. Mm. 
Um, if it were, if it had been the first movie, it would have been a very good Bond movie. Yeah. Wedged in between Casino Royale and Skyfall, uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to just take that movie as is. And I think that was also around the time of the writer's strike too. Mm. So I think that might have been some of the reasons why that part suffered because yeah. I definitely thought there was going to be a greater tie-in to uh, the whole avenging Vesper angle. And it was, it was really rushed and kind of shoehorned in. So. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that if you, I, I think that if you watch it by itself, it it's, it's still like, it's accessible. Yeah. You don't have to watch every James Bond movie to watch it and understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And I don't know if that can necessarily be said about all of them. So that's probably something that's positive in its direction. Yeah. How about you? What did you watch? Uh, so for me, I watched a couple of movies. I watched the Netflix movie Murder Mystery starring Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. So this is, I, I thought overall it was well done. Uh, for what it was. And it is basically a movie that takes on the genre of kind of the murder on the Orient Express. Uh, There's the classic murder mystery and it kind of plays around with it and not making fun of it necessarily, but uh, jokes around with that whole framework. So of course, Adam Sandler plays a cop and they're supposed to be going on this trip to Europe and they get wrapped up in a murder and all of the characters are suspects and they become the prime suspects and then have to worm their way out of it and figure out who did it. Uh, so it has that classic murder mystery storyline, but it is significantly less serious. It's not to the point where it's just a complete joke. They kind of tread that line of, is this a complete joke? Uh, or is it just fun? And I think they come out on the side of it just being fun. Uh, they do, it's a movie that knows it's a spoof, uh, but and doesn't take itself too seriously. So yeah, I've, overall, it's entertaining. Yeah, I, I saw this uh, closer to when it came out first on Netflix. And I would say that I think that when you're looking at the range of Adam Sandler performances, this is somewhere in the middle of like the zany, crazy, haha Adam Sandler guy and the serious Adam Sandler guy is kind of it's almost like a marrying of the two I think mm-hmm. and I I for me that makes it like a pretty solid performance yeah because he's he's certainly capable of putting on a dramatic performance yeah so there, there's elements of both in it I think and it's I, more I akin to it's more akin to grown-ups Adam Sandler yeah I would say is a, is a comparable when you're talking about Adam Sandler roles and I like at the end of the movie, they literally are on the Orient Express. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they know time. what they're doing. They yeah. know what they're doing. They were making a direct tie and a direct play on those type of movies. And it didn't go the whole way, uh, like to the, the, the satirical ones, like Scary Movie or something like that, where it just yeah. went straight down the realm of satirical. It was more like, hey, here's a movie where you kind of know what's going on and we're just going to have fun with it. So that was good. Uh, the second movie I watched was Peppermint. Uh, this was a 2018 movie uh, starring Jennifer Garner. 
and it is kind of uh, speaking of uh, action movie tropes. This is this is one that features a very classic action movie storyline, in that she uh, Jennifer Gardner plays a wife and a mother of a young girl who watches her family get murdered mm. by a group of drug cartel things. Then she disappears for five years and comes back seeking revenge. And she uh, returns to her uh, alias days uh, level action where she's just running rampage around, beating people up, uh, killing everyone in sight and trying to get revenge for the death of her family. Uh, so from that standpoint, it has, it has some pretty good action. It did feel like a familiar character for Jennifer Garner, having been a, a person who was into the Alias series. So it felt it felt natural to see her running around kicking butt again. Uh, what they did not do a good job of in this movie is explaining where that transformation comes from. Uh, it's just a case of she disappears for five years and then comes back knowing how to uh, beat everyone up, shoot everything um, knows everything about weapons. Like they didn't do anything other than there was, there was a scene where the FBI like says, Oh, Hey, we found this clip of her on the internet. And she's like in some MMA gym or something like that. Yeah. Or she robbed this particular store. Here's a surveillance camera. Notice she went for all the good stuff and she knows what she's doing, but there really wasn't that, like that, that level of explanation. Um, a movie we're both quite familiar with the rhythm section mm. where half the movie is spent her developing the skills necessary for her to commit her revenge. Uh, this movie just skips over that entirely and just goes straight to the revenge. Mm. Uh, but Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Garner is good. Uh, it's not, it's not a fantastic movie, but if you like action movies and you like kind of that whole revenge motif, it's, it's a pretty good entrance. I haven't seen that one yet, so I'll strike that in. Yeah, I think I think it's Netflix. It's on Netflix, I think. All right. So to close out the show today, we're going to give you recommendations. And in honor of uh, Murder Mystery, we're going to do Adam Sandler recommendations. So recommend an Adam Sandler movie for the audience. So I think I'll go with the serious Adam Sandler because that's the one I've been most impressed with. Um, Obviously, the 90s comedies were like in, in high school and college. I've watched those movies probably hundreds of times <laughs> and quoted them many thousands more times to the annoyance of all my friends and family. Uh, <laughs> but for me, and I've, I've referenced this movie before, but Rain Over Me with uh, Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle is, is my favorite Adam Sandler movie and the most probably the most emotionally intense and i don't know if he said it anymore after uncut gems but it's one of the most emotionally intense movies that he's been in um as an actor playing a widower of a family he lost his family in uh, the events of september 11th and uh it's just a very powerful movie there are some scenes in it that are just devastating and I had not seen him really do much like that before. So to see it and to see how skilled he was at it was, it was, and still is impressive. To me. Mm -hmm. So it's rain over me spelled R E I G N 
Uh, I definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't seen it before. Yeah, certainly a must-see and a very different side of Adam Sandler. And the relationship between him and Don Cheadle in that movie is fantastic. It's it's really well worth it. Yeah, it it um, there's a lot in in that relationship that can show you what it means to really be somebody's friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we can all benefit from knowing what that means. Yeah. So my Adam Sandler recommendation is going to be another one from the Adam Sandler as family man uh, genre version, which will be Click. So Click is currently on uh, Amazon Prime. And the plot of this is he gets given a remote that allows him to fast forward or rewind time. And he thinks this is the greatest thing ever because he can skip over the boring stuff. You know, he can go back to the past and answer a question about something his wife wanted him to know. <laughs> and he doesn't know it. Uh, but he, he starts to learn that not everything is as it seems. And the remote may not necessarily be the uh, panacea he thinks it is. Uh, but it does a great job of tying in uh, how sometimes we miss the appreciation uh, of the daily things in life, especially when it comes to family. So it really does hit on, on a lot of great messages for families, um, for dads, and uh, he does a good job in it because he's, he's funny and interesting without being like the completely off the deep end Adam Sandler. And uh, Kate Beckinsale is his, plays his wife, who's also excellent in this too. So C click. And Christopher Walken's cameo in that is yes, great. yes. Christopher Walken cannot be forgotten. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in for Film for Fans. Uh, make sure you rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about the podcast. And if you have a favorite Adam Sandler movie you'd like to share with us let us know send us a comment uh and we will get back to you and maybe we'll include some of them on the show next week until next time enjoy the movies